those of you watching online, maybe it's Facebook Live, maybe it's uh, on Apple TV or Roku, maybe you're watching from a mobile device, man, I just want to tell you how grateful I am that you would take time to log on. Like, we're so stinking grateful. The truth is, there's so many churches that you could watch right now and be a part of, but you chose to be a part of the table. And man, I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. Well, we're going to get right into our text here. I've got some, I mean, I've got a lot of notes today. And I might get a little excited and preach a little bit, so I hope that's okay with you guys. But I want to give you context before content. I always talk about this. If you've been in any of my Bible study classes, uh, even on a Sunday morning, I stress the importance of context over content. If we don't know why and where and who the characters are in the narrative, we can get lost in the passage based on what the passage says. And so I want to kind of give you a little bit of context before I get into the scripture. Go ahead and get your physical Bibles, if you will, and go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 17. Yes, it's a lot of verses. It might be more Bible than some of you guys have read in the last three months, but, but that's, that's on you. That ain't on me. So I want to make sure you're getting your word, okay? So again, John 15, 1 through 17. But let me set up some context for you very quickly. This is in the setting, most likely in the upper room, right before Jesus is going to enter in to this time where he's going to be betrayed and crucified. This is the upper room where they're going to have the Last Supper. And Jesus starts making these phenomenal references to himself. And he says this one phrase, and I'll give you the very first part of the verse. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now this, listen, this is not just a neat little statement that he was trying to teach them about being, hey guys, just make sure that you're connected to me, right? I'm just trying to, I want to make sure you're growing properly. No, no, no. Jesus was saying something outlandish to these people. Why? You got to remember, all through ancient Israel's history, the vine was the nation of Israel. The vine, Jesus was saying that you've been rooted and grounded in your nation's history. You've been rooted and grounded in who you were. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to remember that I am the vine that you've got to remain connected to. Everything that you've heard prophesied about a vine being Israel, everything you've heard prophesied from the prophets of old, I am that. So this is one of those, oh my gosh. This is the same thing of him saying, I'm the light of the world, right? This is one of those wild statements where if you just read it casually without context, you'll miss the entire meaning. So there's a little context for you concerning John 15. Now let's get into the verses. I might skip a few for you, but for the main, for the main point here, we've got to stick to the whole text, okay? Hang with me. John 15, verses 1 through 17. Again, we might knock a few out, but here's the idea here, okay? He starts unfolding this whole narrative. I am the true vine and my father is the, is the vine dresser. The King James says my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word. Man, that's, that's some rich preaching right there. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, 
He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You know, as a preacher, we always make jokes and say, uh, you know what the Greek word for nothing means? It means nothing. I mean, it's like if the Greek word for all, it means all. So this is very clear here. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in, in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so, is, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants do not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made it known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask my Father in my name, it may be given to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So I decided to read all 17 verses instead of skip a few, but that's all right. We need it. We need to hear this. Now, we're going to get back to this in just a moment, okay? But today, we're in a place, an environment, and an environment where it's kind of unusual for a sermon. But, you know, as I started really thinking through and praying through what I wanted to share with you this week, I thought, man, this would be such a unique environment to preach this word to all of you. Now, so I'm going to tell you one thing I'm enjoying, though. Like the last two weeks, we've been at home again, the, the burned out building of home again, gifts and antiques. This week, again, we're here at Bloom Day Spa, and the, the owner, Steve, has been so kind, and his staff, uh, Haley, and uh, a few more people that we've been able to interact with here. They're just amazing, sweet, sweet people. And it's been neat to do this in our hometown of Dixon, Tennessee here. And so today, I'm in this unique place because I think I've got a unique word for you that maybe you've lived in bondage over out of a misinterpretation of Scripture, but also with what God is going to be doing in your life over the next few weeks as in some ways you're forced to abide at home. But we'll get to that in just a few moments, okay? Now, I want to tell you a story, okay? I got to tell you this. The first time I ever went to a place like this, Amber and I were in Richmond, Indiana at a church called Bethel Worship Center, Pastor Kendall Harris. Those guys are stinking amazing people. We were preaching a, a, like a revival, like, you know, like where you go four or five nights. Man, we were just going at it. It was a blast. And one of the gifts they gave Amber and I was a couple's massage. And I thought, man, we have arrived. We flew up here. I think we, they flew us up there. Uh, we got uh, to go on a couple's massage. It was like ridiculous, okay? So let me set the scenario for you. So we go into this, this what looks like a home, but it's set up, you know, for a couple's massage. It's set up for all kinds of things. 
And I had never been to anything like this, okay? I'd never had been to this kind of swanky place. So we go in, thankfully, uh, there were two tables. I did not have to be alone in this. I'm so glad about that. Uh, so there were two tables, and I have to be a little weird here, a little crass. Let's just say we derobed, okay? And uh, it's okay, guys, you can laugh out loud. The camera guy, yeah, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So we derobed, and I'm going, and the weird part was when I'm asked, do you want to leave your underwear on or not? I did not know what to think about that. That was a little uncomfortable, guys, if I'm honest with you. Uh, but I will, I will, I did, I did I, well, that's none of your business what I did. But nonetheless, uh, I laid down on that table, and guys, I'm going to tell you, something happened to me. The only way I know how to explain this is if you could, maybe a Roman torture chamber. It's the only way I know how to explain what happened to me. Why? This woman took the four full force of her elbow and dug it into my back and says, is that enough pressure? Do you enjoy that? I think that's what she said. I blacked out from the pain. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. I just know that at some point later, I think I came to and I could barely breathe because of the pain that this woman had put in my body. See, I had had in my mind that I was going to go get this nice little massage and she, she would rub my back the way my grandmother would rub my back when I was a kid, you know, with the light fingertips. I had no idea that I was going to be pulverized by a woman's elbow in different parts of my back. And by the way, my sicko wife, she enjoys this. She goes, oh, you can press down harder. I'm going, how do you even bear this? But now... You know, my poor wife, she's been married to this for almost 16 years. She understands that. I mean, I'm just a wimp with these things. I'm telling you, it was the most awful thing I had ever experienced in a most beautiful scenario. Thank God she finally asked me, is this too much? I said, yes, ma'am. It's been too much the whole time. So if you could back up and back off. And finally, she just went to the relaxing thing and it was wonderful. But you know why I was so shocked by what happened to me? Because I had had a preconceived idea about what happened during a massage. I had a preconceived notion about what would happen to me at a spa. Because see, in my mind, I'm at a spa. This is a place of relaxation, quiet, waterfalls, beautiful smells, right? Wonderful smells, beautiful lighting. I had had this in my mind that this is going to be the most serene thing I had ever experienced. I did not realize that I would feel like I had been in an MMA fight when she got through with me. Now, we'll get to that in just a moment, okay? Now, so again, I had in my mind this environment of comfort, uh, this environment of ease, right? I had in my mind something that would kind of make me fall asleep kind of like I was on cloud nine rather than knock me out. I really would wish that had happened because it was so rough. But I had no idea that part of the peaceful process, hear me, part of the peaceful process was digging in to the toxins in my body. Part of the peaceful process was her digging into the toxins in my body and pushing them out. 
Now you ask me, what does this have to do with John 15? Well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked because I'm telling you it's going to be good. Now, did you notice something about the passage that became a reoccurring theme in John 15? Jesus kept saying the phrase, abide. In fact, Jesus would say this phrase 11 times in 17 verses. 11 times in 17 verses, Jesus would use the word abide. Abide. So, I want us to dig a little bit deeper into this because there's some really great teaching that many of us have really gotten jacked up on over the years and actually been taught in a fearful way. So I want to get into this, okay? You see, there's a misconception about this passage uh, when he talks about abide. So what does it even mean to abide? What does this even mean? Well, the word abide means this. It means to sit in, to sit with, and to rest. There's another definition that goes with this, and I'll get to that in just a moment. To sit in, to sit with, and to rest. So again, let's go a little bit deeper. The misconception about this passage, it has been preached and preached and preached, and really it's been preached out of a bad translation. I love your King James Version Bible. I really do. But there's more updated manuscripts that give us a better understanding of the Greek language uh, and the Aramaic language, even the Hebrew language. And so the mistranslation is still set in stone in a lot of our minds that if we are not doing exactly what he said to do and producing much fruit, we're going to be cut down and thrown aside. But I want us to dig into this here, okay? Because in verse 2, I'm going to read it to you again, okay? I promise we're going to tie all this up into a pretty big bow here in just a little bit, okay? In verse 2, it says this, Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, here's the thing. The Greek word for takes away, the Greek phrase there for takes away, uh, is the word here for arrow, like A-I-R-O. It it's how we would uh, spell it in English. It's arrow, okay? Like arrows or arrow. And this is the most beautiful part. It literally means, hear this now, it means to lift up. So let's read this in context, okay? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I want you to notice something. He does not give the heed to abide until he does the heavy lifting. Did you get it? He does all the abides, the, the 11, I want you to abide in me as I abide in you. All of those abides were given after he says, he that does not bear, bear much fruit, I'm going to lift him up. And those who do bear fruit, I'm going to prune them so that they can bear more fruit. Then he goes into the command to abide. See, we have this backwards gospel that says we have to be perfectly in Christ before we can be fruitful. And that's not what he's saying. He's actually saying for those of you who are weak, for those of you who are lonely, for those of you who are broken, for those of you who are so beat down by this life, I'm not even going to ask you to do anything at this point. All I want to do is lift you up. I want to lift you up. Now, I want to give you some context here because you have to keep in mind the vine dresser in those days 
what they would be doing is walking through the vineyard and if a vine was laying on the ground, not getting sunlight and the proper moisture, they would take those vines and pick those up and drape them over, lay them up over something to put them in the sun. And I'm gonna do a little play on words here. Sorry if this is a little corny, but that's exactly what God has done for us through Jesus. He lifted us us, lifted us up, and he's placed us in the sun, S-O-N. Again, I know it's corny, but that's exactly what he's done for us. He's placed us in Christ. Now, again, we're getting to the abide part. We've got a lot of we've got a lot of room to go here, okay? So hang with me. I'm giving you a lot of context, okay? The next word to define the word abide is the word endure. Again, to sit in, to sit with, to rest, but the next one for abide is to endure. That was kind of shocking for me because when I hear the word abide, I think relaxation. Again, that's kind of why we're filming here. That's exactly why we're filming this here is because it's about relaxation, it's about rest. But I'm gonna take you back to that lady who about killed me on that massage table. I had to endure that relaxation. And sometimes in this life of faith, it's not all the time about unicorns, glitter, and rainbows, is it? But sometimes it's about enduring right where we are. And we'll again, I'm gonna get some more of that in just a moment, okay? Now, so abide means to lift up and According to the word endure, it means to grow up. So abiding is to lift up and to grow up. So Matt, what do you mean by grow up? You see, this is actually the second phase of faith for you and I. This is the second phase of this. We, be, we start out with salvation. That is the lifting up, being exposed to the sun, Jesus Christ. That is the branch being lifted up out of the dirt, out of the mud and being lifted up. But then he says, you know what I'm going to do after I lift you up? I'm going to prune you so you bear more fruit. And that's, that's the hard part about this whole abide thing is that when he lifts me up out of something, he totally expects me to bear much fruit. And when I do, when I start bearing fruit, he then starts cutting away. Why? Because now we're past salvation. We're into the abiding part where we're resting in Christ, but now we're also enduring whatever we have to endure in order to become who God wants us to be. Whether that's tragedy, whether that's pain, whether that's loss, whatever it looks like, we must endure. And He's given us the faith, He's given us the power to endure. Now, so I like a little, you know, I, I kind of like these little power statements, okay? So I'm going to share a couple of these with you, okay? The pruning is for your proving. The pruning is for your proving. Next one. The pruning is for your blooming. The pruning is for your blooming, right? Because after I am pruned, more fruit shows up, more flowers, more beauty blooms out of my life after the pruning after the enduring. Again, we're going to wrap this up so it all makes sense in just a few minutes, okay? So, we want a place like this one here, right? We want a place like this to run and to rest, a physical place. We want an emotional place to run and rest like this. We want to sit and be filled, but we fail to realize that this place is also a place of pruning. They push 
the toxins out of your body while you rest. They push it while you rest. You see, it will always be in Christ that we are lifted and pruned. And hear me, the pruning is a gift. It may not feel like a gift, but the pruning that God is doing in your life now, it is a gift that He's doing. So let me say it like this. In Christ, we are lifted and we are gifted. Come on, somebody. He has given us the gift of pruning. The gift of... Pr so in other words, what I want you to do is to say to God, you know what, God? I may not like what I'm feeling today. I may not like what you're carrying me through. In fact, it may just hack me off that I'm having to deal with this crap right now in my life. I didn't ask for this right now. But instead of that being bitter water coming out of our mouth, what if you and I were today to say, you know what, I'm not going to speak like that anymore. I'm going to turn this thing around and say, God, thank you for the pruning. What are you teaching me in this season of life? What are you trying to show me about me? What are the toxins you're wanting to reveal in me so that you you can push them out while I rest in you, while I'm abiding in you, while I'm sitting in your salvation. What are you working out in me that is poisonous to my system, that is toxic and poisonous to the people around me? What are you pulling out of me that you no longer want in me? See, that is a gift God is giving you. He's not punishing you. He's pruning you. Can y'all say amen, fellas? <laughs> yeah I told you it would come in a pretty little bow here in just a minute we just had to get through some context so abiding in Christ is not just this carefree life but it is this life where you invite pruning in and the good thing about the things when he prunes them the scripture says he cuts them off he casts them into the fire what is he? he's burning the mess out of me by the fire of his Holy Spirit and by the fire of tragedy and pain. So again, in Christ, we are lifted and we are gifted. I want to close by saying just a few thoughts, okay, that I think are going to be beneficial to you. And I'm going to read these so I don't botch them at all. I wrote some of these just uh, earlier today. Jesus would say to his disciples when he called them, at the beginning of his ministry, he would use two words, follow me. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he would leave them with three words, abide in me. So let me say it like this to you. It's one thing to follow him. It's another thing to abide in him. The following is the starting point. The abiding is the resting point. It's the growth point. I want to dare say it's the ending point, but we know there's no ending in Him. There's only new beginnings based on old endings. He makes all things new. So we start with salvation and we end with abiding. Hear this. The more I abide, the less I strive. The more I abide, the less... What are you striving for? Are you trying to get God's attention or maybe get Him to love you more? And if you 
or someone who calls the table home, you've heard me say this many times, God has no love in reserve to give to you. He poured it out through his son Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. There is nothing in reserve that God has withheld from you when it comes to his love. So there's nothing to strive for when it comes to God's love. But there is something to abide in when it comes to his love. Again, abide means to sit in, to sit with, to rest in, and to endure. So the more I abide, the more I abide, the less I strive. Jesus invites us to abide in his love. That means to dwell with all that we are and all that we are not in his love. In other words, I can even dwell in Christ with my inadequacies. He takes me as I am. See, there's a misconception, and Brennan Manning clarified this for me years ago. We will never be as we should be. That is why it is imperative that we abide in Christ. Because only in Him do you and I find completion. Because if we're saying, well, one day I will get to be that, or one day I'm going to finally get it together, I'm going to, you're never going to be as you should be because of our fallen sin nature. That's why he would write, where grace does abound, or sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Because grace is the thing that makes us everything we could never become on our own. I have a question. It's kind of one of those things I just want you to think about, and I'm going to give you the answer to this thing. My friend Pete used to say this all the time. He would ask this question, what is my job? What is my only job as a Christian? Three words. Abide in Him. My only job. If you could say, Matt, what is my one thing that God wants me to do? Abide in Him. And you know what? Out of that, you'll love God and love your neighbor like you've never known before. It's a natural overflow of abiding. And in that abiding comes the lifting and the blooming. So today, church, I just wanted to let you know that maybe coming to a place like this, which is, this place is incredible. Seriously, you, we're so grateful for Steve and his family and everything they do here in Dixon, Tennessee. But you know what? We may have some misconceptions sometimes, just like I did going into that massage. Maybe God is saying, I want you to abide in me because I want to massage out. Kind of reminds me of the story of the potter and the clay, you know? clay has no power over the potter. The potter is in charge of the clay and he takes and molds and pushes and even squashes that clay and reforms it until it's until it, until it becomes unto his likeness. Until he says that's what I've been working on. Well this place is kind of like that. 
push out the nasty. Yeah, you can rest and relax. This is even uh, the relaxation room. It's even been difficult for me to preach a little bit, I'll be honest with you, because I've been so relaxed in here. I thought, well, man, maybe I should just talk real quiet. But, you know, I, I get a little excited sometimes. So I don't know what God's doing in your life right now, but I want to encourage you to embrace. Embrace the elbow in the back. Embrace that. Because He's creating something in you that is far greater than what you see now, than what you know now. And I believe with all of my heart that when it's all said and done, you will say, I'm so glad that I learned to abide in Christ. Let me pray for you, okay? So, Father, I thank you. Um, thank you for the people who've been on today and stayed with it online. And uh, for those who feel like, man, I feel like I'm being cut. I feel like I'm being pushed on and just maybe even feel like you've been ran over by a truck. God is saying, you know what? I'm using that to push the toxins out. I'm using that to prune you. I'm pulling your flesh and cutting your flesh back to reveal your heart in me, to show you something greater. I pray that they would embrace that, God. That maybe we'd even say to the Father, Father, I'm available for pruning. I'm available for pruning so that there can be some blooming. And may our life exemplify you in new ways when we come out of this thing on the other side. In Jesus' name.